And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fair Service. We're so excited to be back talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. Not playing the most exciting brand of baseball right now. But you know what? That's what we're going to talk about, whether or not that's okay. This, as I said, is the is the the Athletics Blue Jays podcast called Spin Rate, which you can get by subscribing uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Go hook us up. And if you don't yet subscribe to the, the Athletic, which you don't need to do to listen to the show, but if you want to, make sure you go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. Subscribe, give you a tidy deal, let you know that we sent you. And one of the things you get to do when you subscribe to The Athletic is read everything that Caitlin McGrath writes about your Toronto Blue Jays. And Caitlin McGrath, of course, is a journalist, a master of journalism, in fact. <laughs> she covers the Blue Jays for The Athletic, and she's also the co-host of Spin Rate. Caitlin, how the heck are you? I'm great. I'm great. I am a master of journalism. <laughs> Every day you demonstrate your mastery of journalism on the pa- within the pages of The Athletic. Getting the story, getting the goods, getting the story like the story of the Aaron Judge kid and the kind-hearted Blue Jays guy, which is maybe let's, we can talk about that. Let's start off with that. Before that, we're going to talk about this weekend series in Cleveland. Not all good news. And then I think what we'll also talk about is what does all this mean? Blue Jays have played 30 games now. Maybe we can zoom out, zoom in, do some extrapolation disregard the things we don't like embrace the things that we do that's how we that's how we do here but why don't we start with uh that wonderful story <coughs> so since last we recorded of course the blue jays played a, a a series with the yankees that they lost the first season series lost of the season uh but of course the famous moment where a aaron judge had a very large home run off alec manoa was collected by a fan who immediately turned to give it to a young yankees fan wearing a judge jersey but you a master of journalism as you are you 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 were down there in downtown Beetle downtown Toronto and you sussed out the story what 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 well it uh, went crazy this was like a viral story people are reading it all around the world because it's just so damn heartwarming what what did you learn when you got to talk to these amazing folks that were part of this incredible moment um yeah well it was kind of funny because um it happened not too far away from where i was sitting because the Blue Jays press box is located on the left field side. And obviously the home run went to the second deck of the left field stands, basically. So I could actually like sort of, I actually was looking down on my computer, I think, when the moment happened, but it very quickly was like all over social media. And I could see from my seat, like where they were. And so another reporter was with me in the press box, like the Ian Harrison uh, for AP. And um, he was kind of like looking at me like, are you going to go? Are you going to go find the kid? And I was like, I'm thinking about it. And he's like, you should go find the kid. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go find the kid. So um, luckily it was a short, 
you know, walk over there, a short elevator ride, and then walk over there. And yeah, I just went to the section that I thought it was. And actually, as I was walking to the section, I saw the guy that handed the ball to him. And I was like, oh, excuse me, are you the guy that gave the ball to the kid? And he's like, I am. And then we just started talking. And while I was there, like a member of like the Rogers Center staff came up to him and gave him a little gift package. Um, and then, of course, I met the kid, Derek. Um, and, um, you know, he was just so excited even when I got there and it was like an inning later and he was obviously like holding on to the ball with both of his hands and still sort of like overwhelmed, I think, by the moment. He was still like kind of both like ex in that kind of, um, emotional state between like excited and almost like overwhelmed with emotion. Um, as you kind of saw in like the video where like he gave, um, the guy Mike a hug and uh, he just burst into tears and so he was still kind of like I think coming down from that emotion when I talked to him but he was lovely to talk to he was really excited obviously telling me um, all about how Aaron Judge was his favorite player his whole family her, his dad was there beside him his dad um, was a Yankees fan they're a family from Venezuela originally um, and then they've lived in Toronto for five years so the dad just kind of grew up a Yankee fan and passed that on to his family his son although Darren Eric did tell me he likes the Blue Jays a little bit, but the Yankees are his number one team. And, um, you know, he was very excited to tell me about, you know, bringing the ball to school and um, showing all his friends and showing his little brother. And so it was just a really, you know, cute story to work on. I didn't think that it was going to um, blow up as much as it did but I guess I'm not surprised either because it's just kind of like a nice story. And I think, after the couple years that we've had as a society, I mm -hmm. think some people are just eager to read nice stories. And obviously the like bow on it was that because this moment just went completely viral online, um, his family was invited back to Roger Center the next day um, by the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Actually, both families, like the guy who caught the ball, Mike, and his family came. And, um, and uh, then Derek and his whole family came. And the Yankees invited him to meet Aaron Judge. And so he got to meet Aaron Judge, which um, if anyone's like seen Aaron Judge in person, he is like probably one of the largest human beings I've ever stood around and seen, <laughs> <laughs> seen this small nine-year-old child just immediately like go up to Aaron Judge and like hug him and just be overwhelmed by meeting him it was just like such a sweet moment. So that was fun. Um, I felt like it kind of um, made the series feel a little better, I guess. Blue Jays a fans. Of, a little bit of sweetness with what was an otherwise kind of a sour yeah. series. Yeah, exactly. Now, Especially that game, because like Jays lost that game nine to one. It was it was a close game and then it all kind of went haywire in the seventh inning there. That at bat against against Judge was sort of like the turning point. Again, uh, I think that Ricky and I talked about it where he uh, Manoa made a couple mistakes. One he got away with, and one he did not. But uh, I, I think I saw Lindsay Adler tweeting about this, and I believe it's in your story as well. He, he is uh, young Derek is named after a certain iconic New York sports icon. Is he not? Yes, he is named he, after the Derek Jeter. No, I think I, I I don't think that's right. I think he's named after uh, former Islanders winger and former Leafs winger Derek King. Mm. That, that I, I I don't want to quibble with a master of journalism, but I believe Derek King. Derek King scored forty five goals for the Leafs in two years. It's pretty good. I would name my kid after that after Derek King, Islanders, 
legend. But then, of course, the Blue Jays, hot on the heels of those good vibes, went on to play in Cleveland, which is Cleveland a bit of a perplexing bunch on their own, uh, a team that I don't know that there was a lot of high expectations for, of course, having been, well, Cleveland, uh, which of, which is, you know, running that bottom basement payroll, but, but doing some good things in terms of um, discovering some good players. And I know that uh, Zach seemed like he had, uh, wrote a really interesting story about how the Cleveland has like a, one of the top offenses in the league right now, but they're they're just um, they just make a, a lot of contact. A, yeah, they're just a little bit of a different different style. I mean, it's maybe a bit of a throwback to the twenty fourteen um, twenty fourteen uh, Cleveland or uh, Kansas City teams twenty fourteen, and then I don't remember what happened twenty fifteen, but twenty fourteen where they made it to the World Series and uh, with a really a uh, different kind of approach, but. Uh, the, uh, an approach that seemed like it gave the Blue Jays a little bit of fits, although the Blue Jays are seemed a little bit content to to give themselves fits. Uh, you know, the Cleveland is a team known for their pitching, but I don't think the Blue Jays in their offense that's really struggling right now. That might maybe the number one thing I, I would take away, other than they had the one run ex, one explosion of runs, but other than that, they're 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 not scoring a lot of runs. Am I crazy? You're not crazy. They are not scoring a lot of runs. They're scoring. Uh, last I checked, it was like 3.83 runs per game, which is below league average at the moment. Um, and it's not, you know, it's, they're not the lowest scoring team in the league, but they're far, they're far from the highest, which I think the Dodgers are the best scoring team right now. They're scoring more than five runs per game. Um, and so that has been, you know, it's funny, like I, it's, it's been hard to like reconcile how to feel about the Blue Jays in their 17 and 13 start, which honestly is like in good company in terms of being one of the better starts of a Blue Jay season. I think I looked it up today and only 13 times have they started 17 and 13 or better. So it's a good start, but they just haven't done it the way that maybe most of us expected them to. They haven't done it with their offense. They've done it um, a lot with their pitching, a lot with just like winning those toss-up, coin toss, close games, um, some clutch hitting here and there. Like you said, they've only really had a couple like run explosions um, where they've eased into a win. Um, and so it's been like kind of hard to – figure out how to explain this team because it's like they're playing well and 17 and 13 is a good record. Um, but their offense hasn't looked good. And like, so it's like, this is a fan base that seems <laughs> very frustrated um, right now, even though in theory it could be a lot worse and their team actually maybe has played their worst offensive month of the year and has come out, of a tough stretch with a good record. And it just feels like this fan base is like ready to rip their hair out. Like it feels like no one's happy. And it's like, I don't know. I think you should be happy with 17 and 13, but I also understand why people are like this, you know, I can't watch this team any longer if they don't start scoring runs. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I don't think that it's necessarily related, but I think that there's there's a belief that all teams should play, or good teams or, or Blue Jays teams, good Blue Jays teams should play like the 2015 Blue Jays did in, in the last half of the season. I think that in, we have in our minds, some of us maybe, that that's what a good team, that's what a dominant team looks like. They win like every fucking night. They win by a thousand runs. They get amazing starting pitching. Their lineup is a complete and utter murderer's row and they play great defense. Like that they just decimate, you know, just destroy whoever they play. That's what a good team looks like. So, you know, when a good team like the Blue Jays are, um, cheats and begs and borrows and steals some wins through April, you know, as we talked about ad nauseum on this show is like that. Those are, those are good things. Those are good wins. But the fact that the Blue Jays are sitting there with like a negative 10, Run differential, which would be supportive of over those over the season, like a team that's at 500 or below, but in through 30 games, it's like that. That's what a below 500 team looks like. Um, it, it makes maybe the maybe the win the win loss record feel a little hollow, which is you know not untrue in a lot of ways because it 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 is the the any any. Um, blemishes on the blue jays as a as they are constructed are right now right up to the surface right which which we've seen where you have it when you have players like Lourdes Gurriel and Bobachet who are both obviously good hitters right it's not up for debate whether or not Lourdes Gurriel Jr and Bobachet are good hitters i don't think it shouldn't be they're also not the kind of hitters that you would think would be as maybe vulnerable to a deadened ball like say Kevin Bichio right which is something we've been saying for two years in a row and has been proved out by his lackluster results. Like Kevin B, or sorry, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Bob Shedd are going to be fine. But right now they're not. Just like Lourdes Gurriel wasn't fine at this time last year, but then he caught fire as one of the best hitters in baseball in the second, in the second half. They're, they are, as a team, a bunch of guys, of quite a few guys that swing, swing the bat a lot, but they don't strike out. So that means they can get themselves into these ruts where they don't get timely hits or they don't get any hits at all. So right now you're not getting a lot from Guriel, you're not getting a lot from Bichette. You know you're getting more than you were, but you know of late you're not getting a lot, as much from that. And, and even even Vlad, right? Like Vlad's in a little bit of a of a of a of a gully. You know his numbers are are far from what they were last year. But then I saw something which was even before the, I think before the season the series in Cleveland where um, Vlad was definitely not at his best. But like describing. Um, how Vlad's numbers were are 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 worse this year. It's like overall like raw OPS, for example. Mm-hmm. But his his when you correct it or or you um you, you you apply like an indexing like an OPS plus, which is which is adjusted for the league and for the competition, it's actually better, even though his numbers are worse. It's because offense is really down this year. So I think that that's that takes a bit of a mindset adjustment. And then and then the, just the fact that 
the team's flaws or the team's blemishes or the team's weaknesses are kind of on on display i mean i, I don't know what what you know i know you wrote a, a post about this about things we know or a post a story uh about this about you know things we know about the blue jays like is there anything is there anything that's glaring that you say is in need of correction rather than just kind of waiting it out well, that's the weird thing is like, it doesn't feel that way. It's really hard. Like they're not walking as much, but it's not like by a huge margin. Like I think they're maybe down like two to 3% of where they finished last year. But if you looked at like, you kind of compared the two Aprils or not necessarily the two Aprils because it's a weird way this year was kind of delayed but I think it was like the first 26 games or something like that I looked at and like if you looked at the offensive numbers they were really similar and in some ways the actual raw numbers offensively were better this year in the sense that the Blue Jays were hitting the ball harder consistently um so more their hard hit rate was higher um their average exit velocity was higher um and they weren't getting the results but obviously sort of the the process looks good now you would have to think or you have to wonder I suppose that the ball has something to do with that if they're hitting the ball harder and it's not going out we've seen Mm -hmm. examples of that where it's like a ball was hit to the warning track and last year it felt like that would be a ball that was out of the park and now it's just a fly out so um I guess as the season goes on, like it's it may be worth monitoring, like if this is a team built around hitting a lot of home runs and the ball isn't getting hit as much, you know, maybe there will be a dip in their offense. Now they hit a ton of home runs last year and a lot of their home runs, I mean it's hard to remember all of them, but I don't you know, it's not like a ton were like wall scrapers, you know, like they <laughs> a lot of times when they hit the home runs, they were hitting them quite hard. So they should get back to that maybe they're not going to be they're maybe they're not going to set another franchise record this year with with home runs I mean they don't have Marcus Simeon on the team hitting 45 home runs this year um and Chapman Matt Chapman's gonna hit some but I don't know that he's I don't think he's gonna hit 45 um so there we may just have to expect that this offense isn't gonna be as powerful um as last year's like there could be a dip in that but I still think it's going to be a good offense I mean the weird thing or the most glaring thing has been their hitting with runners in scoring position it's just been terrible um and I I looked at it today and there was that stretch last year if you recall in it was the end of August I believe and it it kind of felt like what we've gone through in this last month or these first 30 games it was not as many games it was more of like two to three week stretch I think in and but it felt like all those games were like two one one like you know two one three two they were losing to the Tigers and they couldn't score runs and like they were hitting terribly in runners in scoring position at that point too I think it was like something under it was 179 or something batting average with runners in scoring position and then in September, they started hitting the ball a lot, scoring a lot of runs, and they were hitting 281 is what I wrote down with runners in scoring position. So a lot better. Um, and so I think it's unsatisfying to just kind of say, like, they will regress positively when it comes to runners in scoring position. But it's like, 
you know, they're, they're hitting the ball really hard. They have a really, really low batting average on balls in play in runners in scoring position that is way lower than what they normally are. You know, normally they're hitting like 280 something, um, batting average balls in play, which is like, in the normal range. Um, and then with runners in scoring position, they're hitting like 180 or something like that. Like it's they're they're not getting any luck in those situations. And so you would just assume that that has to change, but it has been, you know, I think there's been a little bit more swing and miss in the hitters approaches. Um, I think pitchers are probably approaching them differently, but it, you know, it hasn't been, you know, off the charts or anything like that. You know, it's been, a little more, but not a ton more. They're not really striking out any more than they did last year. So it's just been a weird, it's been weird to kind of not fully understand why they're not hitting. And it's maybe just unsatisfactory to say like, they're just not getting the bounces right now. I think that it's, I agree. I don't, I think there is a lot of bad luck, a lot of bad luck that is, I think compounded by the way that they've, kind of gone about experiencing this bad luck, if that makes sense. Um, there, there was someone that tweeted at, uh, at us the other day, um, you and I, in response to the show being shared by the Athletics account, mm-hmm. and it was talking about the Blue Jays' track record um, swinging at the first pitch in particular with, with, uh, with runners in scoring position. Now, the Blue Jays are a team that smashes the first pitch that is really aggressive and, and often does damage. So when this when this guy asked this of us, they had two hits all season swinging at the first pitch with runners in scoring position. That's now gone up to 4. They have but they have a weighted on base average of 190 swinging at the first pitch with runners on base, which is again is a micro split. It's not reflective of their it's not it's not it's not a a, a, a a projectable number that this is a storytelling piece, right? This is what they've done. This is how they've gotten here is to end up with the worst number in this, this random micro split that I've, that I've uh, concocted. And then again, you can, so we, we talk about Cleveland. We talked about how Cleveland is putting the ball in play, but there's a difference of like 50 points of batting average on balls in play between Cleveland and Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cleveland has one of the highest batting averages on balls in play in all of baseball. Other than that, you know, that, that, that can make up for such a difference. It can, having a, a little bit of that luck, a little bit of cluster luck, a little bit of dinks and dunks and, and things landing where you need them to land, then suddenly you have a surprising offense and you got, got the Zach writing these stories about you for, for, for the athletic. And, and, and when you don't have it, then you end up like you being like, I don't know what's wrong with the Blue Jays. <laughs> they seem pretty good. And, you know, we talked so much about home runs. The Blue Jays are still sixth in, yeah. in all of baseball. They're third or fourth in the American League in home runs. Like, if anything, Number one, obviously, this this situational hitting is a, is a challenge. But B, it's it's the part of the situational hitting is not hitting as many of the home runs when when uh, when there are, are runners on base. They're not maximizing and or optimizing these kind of these uh, these home runs and these run scoring uh, situations. Yeah. Right now, like and again, this is we're talking about a one weekend, right? Because for the for last time you and I spoke, we were doing the opposite. We were saying. They're getting these clutch hits, and they're, they're they're getting the one hit when they most need it, even though they didn't get six of them in the lead up in the in the third and the fourth and the fifth inning. They didn't get these hits, but then they got it in the eighth and they won the game. Yeah. So that's kind of where we were. And now we're on the flip side where they're not getting those clutch hits. Yeah, and the, and just to add, like I mean, I looked I looked at it earlier today, and maybe I should pull it up again. But um, you mentioned like the home runs, like they're still in the top um, half uh, of 
the league in terms of like hitting home runs. And I think like, in just in terms of like, even their OPS, while it's not leading the league, like it was last year, but they're like middle of the pack. Like they're certainly not like the worst hitting team in the league. Like, um, their hits, their, their hits are still like, you know, they're getting hits. They're just like not getting as many timely hits as you would want, or they're not getting as many hits in a row in it so that they can string together, um, some big innings or whatnot. Like, but they're, you know, they're putting the, they're getting their hits and stuff like that. It's just, it's, been weird it's been all over you know all over the lineup not happening in succession maybe you put a lot of that on the fact that they were missing Teoscar look I just pulled it up so they're well this is before play like today because this is on fan graph so it wouldn't be updated from tonight's games um recording on Monday but they're seventh in hits with 234 the top team with hits is the Mets with 257 so they're not like they're not like you know hugely off the pace on that. I mean that's just like no. hits, but um, I, one just, thing I will say. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just gonna say like it's it's weird. I think that's another element that is weird about this because it would be one thing if like the offense was just like all together terrible, you know, just like really not starting well. But it's been fine. Like it's not been they've not been blowing the socks off people. Um, but it, I think the main thrust of the issue has been the situational hitting as opposed to the hitting in general. I also think that there's one really good way to, to sync your offense or there's the best way to have your offense be inefficient or not come up with clutch hits is have like very significant sinkholes in the lineup, which when I, I talked about the 2015 team as an example, that was a team that has no sinkholes. There were no holes in the lineup. There was nobody that was an easy, uh, uh, you know, someone that you could take a bit of a break with if you're the opposing pitcher. But right now, that's not true. You know, Ramo Tapia gets a lot of playing time and he can't hit at all right now or in general. Um, you know, even Matt Chapman, right? Matt Chapman is, has had some really, um, Inconsistent at plate appearances. He struck out four times the other day. Um, I don't think anyone would be in their right mind would complain about Matt Chapman, but like every, every bit of playing time, that's why we talk so much about the idea of replacement level and, and just like, you know, the Blue Jays brought in the, brought in guys like Bradley Zimmer and Ramiel Tapia to do specific jobs, but now they've already been asked to do a little bit more than we, than, the, than you think they would have been asked before. Mm-hmm. You know, losing, Losing Danny Jansen, A, takes a good hitter out of the offense, but then it also takes another option away uh, from DH, right? Where now you can, so previously you could have had Kirk in in, in DHing with Jansen behind the plate. And now if Kirk's behind the plate that much more, now there's somebody else who's got to go hit. And like, you know, the Zach Collins thing was, uh, has been fun, but do we think it's going to last? You know, what's it, what's he been, um, in the last however long? Uh, the last seven days, he has a 29 weighted runs created plus, like which is again and uh, Tapia and Zimmer and Guriel all in the negative, you know, in the last week or so. And again, it, because it's only a week, now nothing means anything. It's a week, <laughs> but but it, we're not we're not. Di- I think that's the thing. You can you can do what we're doing now, which is sort of diagnosing what has happened but i don't think that and and to your point and, and as as you eloquently said in your piece as a master of journalism this isn't these aren't like big problems these aren't capital p problems right there's nothing glaring about the team that you're like they got to get this fixed you got to get danny jansen back healthy 
you got to get Teoscar Hernandez back in the swing of things, you know, in the lineup every day. And the rest of that stuff is going to all sort of take, sort of take care of itself. Yeah. If you really think that the Blue Jays are going to have, are going to be the worst offense in any category, like, again, I, I created this micro split because this guy asked us on Twitter, but like, do you believe the Blue Jays will have the worst performance in anything, even if it is random and completely devoid of skill or repeatability? I don't. The Blue Jays are a good offensive team. I think they're going to be fine. The, they will begin to fire on all cylinders and then they'll score a bunch of runs and we'll all forget that we ever had these conversations. Yeah. And I think like, again, just to point to like, I know it's a, maybe it was a different team then, but they are kind of right where they were last year. In fact, they're better. I think they last year over their first 30 games, they had 16 wins this year over mm-hmm. their first 30 games. They have 17 wins. So they have an extra win. They, that's that extra win. If they would have had last year, they would have gotten postseason. Um, but, uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention, just cause you brought it up sort of, but, um, you have to remember, like, when you lose Danny Jansen, you also lose your best catcher, um, your best all around catcher, I guess, uh, the guy that knows the staff the best. And then you put a lot more on Alejandro Kirk's plate in terms of having to catch a lot more, having to, have a lot more on his plate defensively as well. And so then instead of using him as primarily like a DH catcher, he's like in a role where he has to do a lot more heavy lifting on the catching front um, because you don't have Danny Jansen there. And so I think that that probably contributed maybe to his slow start and he's swinging the bat better now and he's hitting the ball harder. And so there was like some positive signs from Kirk um, in this last series, even if overall the offense didn't really have their complete explosion. But I think that the Blue Jays have kind of said like they understand that there's been more on Kirk's plate this first month of the season because Danny hasn't been around. So um, that's also something to consider. And yeah, I mean, like you said, I think this week they're playing the Yankees and they're playing the Rays. They're going to have Tay Oscar in the lineup again. He's going to continuously get more at-bats, get more in a rhythm. Um, and I think you're going to see more lineups that are going to look like more competitive lineups that we thought we would see, you know, when you're kind of drawing it up, with the exception of still not having Danny Jansen in the lineup. But, you know. Um, the Blue Jays, also looking back over the last week, they only had three home runs in the last week. Which, by the way, the Royals, A's, and Tigers all hit one home run in the last seven days. That's crazy. That's awful. There's not really much to complain about on the pitching side, I guess. I mean, we've talked a lot about (coughs) Kevin Gosman, obviously, as Mm -hmm. we should. Uh, I talked a lot about Alec Manoa. You wrote a nice piece about uh, about Yusei Kukuchi coming around a little bit. I don't know. Is is he less of a concern uh, uh, as we start to, again, if we're really going to pick nits and be like, what is it we need to change about this baseball team? Um, is the fifth starter what needs to be changed? I don't know that I, I would agree with that, but I'd love to know what you think. Um, I think it's just good to see that some of the sort of changes that the Blue Jays have um, suggested to him that he's one, you know, very accepting of them. And he's really, really enjoyed, um, his time so far with the Blue Jays, like in terms of getting along with Pete Walker, um, and really, um, I guess connecting to Pete Walker. And he he said something like he connected to him both on like a baseball level, but a personal level. So they're working really well together. And, um, 
you know, Kikuchi was also saying, which was like very sweet, was just like how happy he's been that all the, his teammates have been so supportive of him. Like he knows he didn't get off to the best start, but he just felt a lot of support from everybody and everybody's really been rooting for him. So he was really, really pleased to have that nice outing against the Yankees and get his first win. Um, and kind of everything kind of come together in the sense that like he was commanding his fastball better. I think he was getting more first strike pitches. Um, uh, he was pitching with that sort of new breaking ball he's developed, which is like not quite the cutter, but it's more so a hard slider um, that Pete and the Blue Jays have kind of just told him, use this um, because the cutter maybe wasn't getting the results and it wasn't really benefiting him the way that maybe he had hoped or, you know, previously. And so it's all about, you know, the fastball, commanding it, getting it up in the zone, throwing it a lot more and then using that slider as well, which obviously makes you think of another guy um that had success with the Blue Jays but yeah I think it's just with Hikuchi like it'll be interesting to see how he fares um against the Yankees again also I've written this um and I've mentioned it a few times but we all have to just like appreciate the the like um, the tough schedule, I guess, that Kikuchi has had to pitch. Like, he is exclusively pitched against the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Astros. Like, those were the, all the teams mm-hmm. he's had to pitch against. Like, he did not get in that A series. He didn't get in this Cleveland series, even though Cleveland is apparently a good hitting team now. But, like, I'm just, like, and now he'll place the Yankees again. Um, and I think the next time around, I'm not sure what they'll do, but he might be facing his old team, Seattle, which is always a tough challenge, too. Um, but uh, yeah, like so, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he fares against the Yankees, though, because they're seeing him so quick back to back, and that's always tough. And it's Yankee Stadium as well, where he was getting hit really hard the first time he went out and faced them there. But if you, it seems like he's a pitcher. Like if he's commanding his pitches, he's tough to hit. Like he has good stuff. It's clear that he has good stuff. Absolutely, the the, the stuff isn't the question, and. and- if you're a Blue Jays fan, which you're listening to this, you probably are. Or you hate listen to us. Yeah, like I can't wait to hear what those idiots think about that <laughs> terrible team that I hate. My time is worthless. That he is all in and like buying into the team's philosophy and like willing to embrace what they are going to suggest to him and and changing the shape of his pitches, I think that's really important because because it that takes work, right? And it takes putting in that work in between starts, and it takes uh, belief. And and if you're a Blue Jays fan, you have to think that that that's such an encouraging thing to know that you've earned the belief of players. A because you gave them money, but B that they are like your track record is such that a guy is going to invest his belief in you, in your in in your process, in your in your organization, and your ability to get the most out of him. Um, again, even though you've already given him a bunch of money. So I think that that's a really encouraging sign. And that doesn't mean that they, they are going to turn him into Robbie Ray. It doesn't mean he's going to become the Cy Young. Um, but the, all the pieces are there. The stuff is there. Uh, and, and, and when there's that willingness to learn, the willingness to embrace change, the willingness to understand that, that the things might feel weird at first and might take some time, that's huge. And then if it, if it's a matter of like changing, up um, his pitch selection, or if it's a matter of again just mastering a new pitch in a way that allows you to really command it to the part of the strike zone that you, he really needs to command it to, 
that's uh, that, that's going to go a long way because I think that you know, like he's had what one good outing and a couple um, bad bad outings. Yeah, I would but, say there was like one so-so, a couple bad, and one good maybe. Yeah, like he he was pulled. He's been pulled in the. He went five strong. And then he against, went six yeah. strong. Right? In the second start of the year, he went five strong against the Yank against the Red Sox. Yeah. And like that is to me, I'll take that every day. Yeah. I'll take I'll happily take a five and dive, you know, walk a couple guys, trick a couple guys out, but just go in there and 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 eat some innings. That's kind of not, I mean, you know, at the risk of being dismissive, that's what he's he needs to do. And then the Blue Jays will, will take care of the rest themselves. Again, once the offense that we've spoken such glowing terms about uh, <laughs> figures it all out. I I don't uh, I don't doubt that that just the ability to do that job, um, just to come out and 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 to be aggressive and not nibble and not try to fool everybody or not trying to trick anybody into thinking that that they're gonna you know you're gonna embarrass them or have them swinging uh, out of their heels. To be effective, and I think that that is not a tall task for someone like Yusuke Uchi. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're not there quite yet, but the bigger question might be Hunjin Ryu still. I mean, he's probably on his way back soon. He had a rehab outing over the weekend, I believe, and it went it went so-so, I guess I would say. 
Apparently, like, though, I think I remember overhearing somebody them say, might have been on the broadcast, that um, they're happy with the things that they're looking to be happy with. Maybe the, maybe the results weren't like... I think the command was there. He didn't walk yeah. anyone. He had six strikeouts. He he allowed five hits, but and it was like five runs, but it was like two earned. There was f- some fielding errors that he had mm. to deal with. So I think that I wasn't around the team this weekend in Cleveland, but just... I feel like I saw on Twitter, or maybe I did hear it on the broadcast too, but yeah, I think there was some promise shown in that rehab outing with Ryu in the sense of like, yeah, he wasn't walking anyone. He wasn't, you know, the command wasn't way off. He allowed one home run, but just one. So That is a debate I think we can save for another day because I think yeah. that, I think it's going to be worth asking like what what's going to look like like what if if you're if you're the Blue Jays and Hyunjin Ryu comes back and and is ineffective again, like how many phantom injuries are you going to be able to cook up to to keep him <laughs> off the field? It's going to be uh, it, it has the potential to get a little dicey. It's really um, delicate too because I think it doesn't get a lot of attention because Ryu um, doesn't talk to the media a ton, not because he's doesn't want to talk to us. He's just really busy. Like he has like a really like regimented routine, I think. And he, so he's not often like sitting in the clubhouse. In fact, I've never, I would never see him sitting in the clubhouse. So he's kind of just hard to track down in terms of trying to get to the media. But I just know through talking to the other pitchers, like he is, um, you know, he's really important to the sort of like, I don't know, the bond of all the starting rotation. Like he is a huge mentor to Alec Manoa. Um, he is the guy that kind of encourages the ro- rotation to like go out for dinner. Like I know Kevin Gosman was like, I really want to go for dinner with Ryu. Like I want to go to a Korean restaurant with Ryu. Like he's kind of a glue guy for that rotation. And so I think the Blue Jays also have to be mindful of like, you know, it's not, you're paying him $20 million this year and next. He's, but he's also sort of an important crux in your clubhouse for that rotation Mm -hmm. so he's not necessarily Mm -hmm. a guy that you can just like release like not just because of the financial constraints that you have with him but just like what he means to the team um it's a really really delicate situation so it's not really something that the blue jays are going to be easily able to handle and you're right like at some point the injuries are uh you know these these you know whatever it is like inflammation or irritation or discomfort or all that kind of stuff like they can happen but at some point they're gonna have to figure out what Ryu is and and maybe they'll just have to get creative and maybe it's a situation where at some point Nate Pearson has to play a role and you know they're gonna pair them together all the time and it's like if Ryu can go three or four and then we put Pearson in there for two or three and then we that's how we do those games. I don't know. Like this is obviously a discussion we have to have because Ryu could come back and he could look great his next time out. But I just wanted to put that out there that like, you know, this isn't some simple decision where the Blue Jays have to think, okay, we'll just release him. Like this isn't a Tanner Rourke situation, you know, like no. this is, it's a lot if- different. If anything, it's maybe a bit more similar to like the Troy Tulowitzki situation, mm-hmm. where they weighed, they did it in the off season. They like had a meeting. They went to us. They you know called him in and then like sat yeah. him down and did it face to face. And again, you you it wasn't that long ago that they had. I'm sure that there was a full like pitch deck where they had to sit down and like sell Hyunjin Ryu on the idea of coming to Toronto and for if for it to have gone so far south so quickly to the point where Blue Jays, if the Blue Jays would potentially be like. Well, we are. Uh, this is not going to work out for us anymore. So um, that would seem crazy. So 
It'll be interesting to see. And, and you know, if ever anyone was going to benefit from the worst, from the soft ball, maybe it's going to be Hyunjin Ryu. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> which should be yeah, and like they're not. My sense is they're not close to that. They're pretty optimistic what they've seen from him in the live VP and like some of these rehab outings and just things where they've seen him in sort of lesser competition settings. They're optimistic, but you're not going to really know the full answer until he gets into a game. And like that first game could be against the Rays, I think over the weekend, which is, you know, not easy. Well, maybe they can ease him in, ease him into uh, some starts. Like, Look I don't for know. A, they don't play the Orioles until like June. Even that, the Orioles Seattle can score some may, runs. That was the Seattle. Thing. Maybe Seattle hasn't been scoring runs. Seattle has almost the same number of home runs as the Blue Jays. They're only like one behind. It's trouble. It's trouble and it's troubling. Caitlin, what do you got for the people coming up this week? The Blue Jays have the Yankees coming up this week. I guess we. I guess we've kind of alluded to that. How many times do they play the stupid Yankees? I'm tired of this. The Yankees are good. This is irritating. So the the Blue Jays are sixth in home runs, and the Mariners are seventh. Mm. Um, the Yankees are probably third. I think maybe in home runs. The Yankees are first in home runs in the American League, not in in, all, in the whole league. Oh, in the majors. Interesting. Yeah, the Yankees, um, Houston, and then the Angels. One, mm. two, three. Um, yeah, the Yankees are good, although they're like similarly, well, at least in this series, um, they played this weekend against the Rangers, which they had a ton of rainouts. Um, and so they played, I think two on Sunday and then they played one today, which was supposed to be an off day. Mm -hmm. Um, and they won the series, but they weren't scoring a ton of runs. I think they won today one, nothing in a near no hitter from Nestor Cortez Jr. I think it got broken up in like the eighth inning or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the Yankees scored, I think in the bottom of the eighth one run and that won them the game. Um, but I believe this was like a similarly, um, scoring wise series as the Blue Jays has had recently. It was like, you know, Texas was winning, 2-1 and then the Yankees were winning 2-1 and then the Yankees won one nothing. So there's other teams out there that aren't scoring um and it, you know so it'll be interesting to see how the Blue Jays cuz actually when they played the Blue or when they played the Yankees that first week in Yankee Stadium they played really well. It was a really competitive series. That was when Vlad had his huge game against Garrett Cole mm -hmm. um basically so it's worth noting, though, that on the season, the, the Yankees have the best offense uh, in baseball by uh, by some by some measures. So they have a they they don't have the same problem that the Blue Jays have in that they only have one real like black hole in their lineup. Right? They have Kyle Higashioka, who's not having a good offensive season at all, and Joey Gallo, who's having like a well below average for him, um, you know, factually below average for the league, but. They have they have a lot more guys that are swinging you know the bat more in line with what you would expect, and some a few of them who are who are outperforming what you would expect, um, like Anthony Rizzo, for example, who's always been a lot a good hitter who's having who's off to a great start. You know, a bunch of little cheapy home runs don't hurt, but uh, but nevertheless, the Yankees have scored a lot of runs, and their pitching has been outstanding, as you mentioned, Nest nasty Nestor Cortez. Uh, who apparently, if you go back to the beginning of the 2021 season, has the lowest ERA in the American League, mm. which is uh, not something I would have expected. It's uh, even something I just said out loud, and I don't know that I even believe it. But uh, but here we are. I bet, uh, you, Alec just, Man I bet you Alec Manoa's 
near up there. up there on that list too. I would say. I mean, he didn't start till May though, so it all counts. Or the end of May. Nasty master. He is filthy. Man, there's a lot of National League dudes in there. Anyway, the Yankees are a tough matchup, and the Blue Jays will be will be good to be done with them for a while and moving on to different parts of the uh, of the organization or of the league. But they got to win these games, right? They 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 uh, they're in this mini little skid, and it would be great if you're for the Blue Jays to pull out of it and having Teoscar Hernandez back would make a huge difference or you know as Teoscar who's only played two games so not not uh, not a huge uh, not reflective of who and what he's going to be again I'd like to see a little bit more from uh, from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. that's what that's my thing that's he's my he's my player to watch I think in some ways you know we say that Teoscar Hernandez is kind of the straw that stirs a drink I think it might be Gurriel I think that when Gurriel is is because he's so because he is capable of doing so much, and because he has like like Vlad has a really high floor. I think Teoscar has a pretty high floor because he has a really I like his approach a lot. He's not quite as like maniacal as Bo and Gurriel, which is like has its appeal in its own way. Um, but like when so when Gurriel and I think I think it was uh, it was the Zoobs that has said this more than once that when Gurriel's going, they're they're hard to beat, but. Uh, yeah, and but, if you think about like when he got hot and the team play started, I mean the team's second half was their stronger half of the two. Um, not all of that was because of Gurriel. A lot, some of that was also their bullpen got better and their starting pitching got better because the trades they made. But yeah, I think that that's honestly I kind of agree with that observation. It's like I think it's also just because it's like you know the top four or five guys are going to hit, but if your number six hitter is Lourdes Gurriel or number five or six hit or whatever, wherever he's, he's hitting mm-hmm. is, you know, a guy that can come up and do a lot of damage. He like set a franchise record last year, I think for hitting grand slams. He had so many, he had like four grand slams. So if he's doing that, then yeah, you're going to be a really good offensive team. And an absolute like all time celebration too, after that, uh, after that, the, the, the grand slam that he had at the end of the year. When it just like the full on like fired the bat straight into the ground. The like, one against Oakland. Yeah, it was a good one. Because he he had another one after that, I think, against Baltimore when they scored like twenty two runs in that game. Oh yeah, oh that those ones against Baltimore don't count though. Nobody was <laughs> nobody was fired up about those. That was like a like a grim death march where everyone involved knew exactly what the destination was, but they knew they still had to walk either. Anyway, it's like when you it's like in a, in a movie when they ask a prisoner like dig <laughs> dig your own grave. It's like ah. Do I have to? <laughs> anyway. It's like this. It's like that Simpsons, that Simpsons meme, where it's like, "Stop, stop! He's already dead." Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was before the game even started, though. <laughs> That's the Blue Jays. They just don't even want to play them. <laughs> uh, what do you have for the people coming up this week, Caitlin? Um. Well, I have just you know my regular this weekend. Jay is coming out tomorrow. Um, I have a few things that I'm working on. There's going to be something I'm going to try something new this week, which is going to involve some audience engagement, I think. Um, and then I'll be heading to Tampa in a few days. So I'm not going to be in New York, but I'll be in Tampa. Um, so that'll be exciting. Get some nice Florida weather. Who wouldn't want to go to Tampa, Florida when they can go to New York? 
not me. Well, I've already uh, been to New York this year, so might as well hit up Tampa. Um, I like the trop. I actually like the trop in the sense that the press box is spacious, and that's what I look for in a ballpark. <laughs> I don't care about I don't care about sight lines or the seats. I just want a spacious press box. Which get up off me. Uh, interesting stat to to follow up to your point. I just you know mm-hmm. chase. I'm doing a little follow on your story. So Lourdes Gurriel has four career Grand Slams. How many Blue Jays have hit more Grand Slams than Lourdes Gurriel? Would you say like in their careers in the history of the team while wearing a Blue Jays jersey? I would say like one or two. The answer is four. Oh, okay. Do you is wanna, one do you, Carlos Delgado? It is. Carlos Delgado has the most. He has nine Grand Slams yeah. as a member of the Blue Jays. And Carnacion, um, is he on that list? He is. He's third. He has six career Grand Slams as a member okay. of the Blue Jays. There's two others. One you'll get, one you probably won't. Um, uh, was another one like an obvious one, like Josh Donaldson or, or Bautista? No, neither of those. Those oh. two. Bautista is a little surprising. Yeah. Um, but Donaldson, not so much. He only played a couple of years, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, one is second all time for Blue Jays Grand Slams. George Bell. He had seven oh. Grand Slams, and the other one is Vernon Wells. Oh yeah. Okay. He had yeah. five. Five Grand Slams. So Guriel has four already. Guriel already has four, which ties him with Darren Fletcher and Joe Carter. I and feel then, like he hit all four last season. If he didn't, it was three last season. He hit one previously, but I feel like he hit all four last season. Let me see. I, I would believe you if you told me that. He did. He hit one, two, three, four. He hit one in in June, one in July, one in – and then two in September. He hit two in a span of two weeks. One against yeah. Oakland, as I mentioned, when, which was when they were down 8-4. Mm-hmm. Big, uh, a big comeback. And the other one was – uh, against Baltimore, as you mentioned, in the first inning. So they were already up one nothing, and then he hit a grand slam in the first inning. Is that that was when they, they had scored? like scored like a million runs the night, like <laughs> at the end of the other one, and then they just kept going, right? That's they which scored, again they, uh, mm. they scored like forty four runs in three games or something like that, or yeah. four games. It was four games because they played a doubleheader. Mm-hmm. They played, and that was also the game. This is I was in Baltimore, and that was like mm-hmm. the wackiest <laughs> three yeah. days of my experience because I remember sitting there. They came back to win. Um, it wasn't like a walk-off, obviously, but I think George Springer put them ahead in like the eighth mm-hmm. inning when they were losing. And then they were getting no hit through six innings in that second game of the no-header, or no, uh, of the double-header, sorry. And then they started scoring. They scored like 11 runs mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. in the last inning. And I just remember sitting in the press box and feeling like so uncomfortable for like the Baltimore writers. It's like, <laughs> we're like apologizing. We're like, we're sorry. We're sorry. Like, this is just what they do. And like, that was so weird. So they won that game that he hit his grand slam, Guriel. Uh, he, they won that game 22 to seven. That was that one. And the other yeah. one was 11 to two. That's right. They scored 11 runs in the seventh <laughs> inning. Yeah. They scored 11 runs in the seventh inning and then they scored and then they scored um, five in the first and then one in the second and then 10 in the third. So they scored like 30 runs in four innings or something obnoxious <laughs> like that. Yeah. So if they could just, you know, score some runs like that again in the next little bit. I mean, but, they don't even have, just do half of that. Score but even that, five though, runs. Exactly. 
that stretch of domination kind of goes back into what I was saying about 2015, where people remember that. They know that that's what this team can be capable of. They can yeah. be capable of absolutely blowing the doors <laughs> off of any team in baseball, and even Baltimore that barely qualifies as a team in baseball. So it'll come. I can't. I, I truly believe that it will. I think that that getting healthy is going to be a huge thing for them. Danny Jansen coming back. Trey Oscar Hernandez getting right. Uh and then the rest of it, again, well, I think it'll just start to really take care of itself. I don't think there's any reason to doubt any anybody. I don't think that this is who Guriel is. This isn't who Bichette is. As we've seen in the last week, he's been fine. Nothing to worry about. Until, of course, we record the next episode of Spin Rate, which you will probably hear later this week. On Thursday, I'll record an episode with Ricky Romero, where hopefully we'll have much more exciting things to report on than a 3-1 season series loss in Cleveland to the newly minted Guardians. Also... I went to Vancouver this weekend. Might have something fun this week. Maybe. I don't know. I don't want to put too much pressure on myself or Cam. But did some fun stuff. The Vancouver Canadians game that you might be able to hear in an up. You will be able to hear in an upcoming episode of Spin Rate. So keep your ears peeled for that. Until that time. Until the time later this week when me and Ricky will talk about the Blue Jays on that episode of Spin Rate. That's it for this one. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. You can follow her on Twitter. You can read her on The Athletic. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we will talk to you next week on our next episode of Spinner.